find your weed, everyone. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's Friday. Yay. It's a show. The last Friday of January. <clears throat> Is it? That's great. And then we're off to February. We're off to see the wizard. Hey, uh, a little, I know my mom doesn't watch this, but her birthday's in a couple no, days. she doesn't. <laughs> Happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday, Ruth. <laughs> hey, um, I'm just looking at levels here. Yeah. There are too many live setups. I changed too many things. It's, it's a Am constant headache. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And uh, today we're going to talk about woodworking. We're going to answer your questions. It's what we do every week. Every week. Week in, week out, answering questions, doing the hard stuff. Cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. Living together. (laughs) That was the vibe that you gave me. Yeah, it kind of was. That was the energy (laughs) I was sending out. I want to thank some people. We do. Who helped us out. People on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisper. As well as people on YouTube. Hitting that whole membership thing. Oh, Nicole just freaked out. I, I saw my two thank yous and I forgot them. So I'll be right back while you do those thank yous. Cool. <laughs> Got to get on the ball, sister. All right. So we're going to thank Tyler McLean, Jim Porter, Leo Palomino, Larry Ertrminner, Antoine Roland, Robbie Kimmel, Cave Troll, Tim Barnett, C.R. Smith, Alex Exel, Garrett Barton, and Samuel Fultz. So thank you so much for helping us out. I don't think you guys realize, well, maybe you do, how much we appreciate that kind of support. Um, you know, taking a few bucks out of your hard-earned bucks, out of your wallet, and putting it into ours really means a lot to us. That kind of support is very, very helpful, and we appreciate Unexpected. it. Unexpected. Um, so over the winter break, yeah. we have a P.O. box. We've, we have people sending stuff. Um, sometimes it's... Yeah products. Is that a 3D printed thing? This is a 3D printed. So I finally checked our, our uh, PO box because it was crazy over the holidays. So I have belated thank yous to Tom. How do you say his name? Howarth. Howarth. Howarth Woodworks. (laughs) You're out of breath. You want to take a moment? I'm like, gotta get him. Anyway, he said, hi, Mark. I sent you this 3D printed tight bond glue opener as a small thank you for all the great content you've provided over the years. Seriously? Simply downloaded it from Thingiverse so we could make one. So Mateo got a 3D printer. That means I can make one of You could make one of those too. But you know what? I won't because I already have one from Tom. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. Dude, this is fantastic. If this does what I think it does... The biggest pain in the butt is after a Type-On glue bottle nozzle Mm -hmm. uh, seizes up on you. You're usually there with pliers. You're trying to pry it up. It just gets stuck. This is a fantastic concept. I can't wait to try this out. Thank you so much. That's cool. So Tom thought of you and sent that to you. So thank you, Tom. Um, And he said thanks again for the woodworking info and podcast Everybody's saying you can take a minute if you need to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I just also wanted to thank... Uh, Kurt Allen, he sent us a really nice note, and it was just really nice. Yeah, thank so you, he, Kurt. He said, wanted to say thank, thank you. So I wa- we wanted to thank you as well. Really so appreciate Thanks for that. hanging out with us. He watches the morning show, too. Yeah. Okay, great. Nothing like a little morning show cardio. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> 
right, did you so see Ken Ken Coyle did a super chat at the top of the show before we were even live? Holy smokes. Let me scroll up and see if I can um, find it. We pull most of our questions at the beginning of the show from, from Patreon, Okay, um, but we also get some Super Chats. So Ken yeah. says, what's on the bench? Not you, Mark. I want to know what Nicole's building. So anyone who followed us on social media yesterday saw... Instagram specifically. Well, I guess we're on Facebook. Yeah, put it on Facebook too. The poster on Facebook too. Um, saw that Nicole was in the shop yesterday. It was, uh, it was quite the event. I got an injury. She got a little red stain on one of the boards. <laughs> I go, and, oh, uh, I'm bleeding. When did that happen? Yeah, so here's what happened. We decided that... Well, I was going to do this beginner woodworking series, uh, stuff to make woodworking as inviting as possible and try to pull as many people as possible into the fold. Uh, but using good solid techniques and trying to push them toward better woodworking, uh, as I guess, as their interest increases. And more affordable tools, too. So and that's why I did. Tools. Everybody's like, you're not using the KPEX? Yeah. No. Well, like, you don't let Nicole use the good stuff? That's actually a joke that's going to be in the video. <laughs> and the whole point was not necessarily that, oh, it's Nicole, let her use the crap tools. Uh, I had less expensive tools planned for this project than I was going to go out and build it. And then it just kind of late game decision occurred to me, you know, maybe if I just have Nicole do this, people love Nicole. They want to see more of her. Uh, she Some actually, not. I, I, in spite okay. of, in spite of being here every Friday and having, you know, a second career around woodworking, she is not a woodworker. So having her come in the shop and execute these things actually puts me in a mindset of the instructor. Teacher. And it actually turned into a really funny, cool little production. Mm -hmm. uh, so what Did we you made say what we made? <laughs> was a, uh, a blanket ladder. Ever, a, ever seen one of those? It's a quilt ladder. Or a quilt it's ladder. My, it's for my quilts. So it just kind of leans at a 10 degree angle up against the wall. You could stack, you know, four rows of, of blankets. And on easily there. get to them. Right now, all the blankets I've, I've made are pretty much sitting on the floor mm -hmm. behind the couch. Yeah. Uh, so... Kind of nice them, stack. Yeah, I kind of want them. And so when I pull one, they fall over, and it's a whole thing. So. And we've got a perfect spot for mm -hmm. it in the living room, and we made it out of some cherry boards. Because uh, at the same time, like one of the lessons I'm going to be trying to teach folks is that don't be afraid to use good material. And that's one of the things that, like, it's kind of a little trick. One of the things that I do all the time is I may make something simple and basic, but I'll make it out of something nice. And suddenly it becomes better. I mean, it truly is better. It looks better. It's better received. It looks more refined. And that really comes down to using good materials. Uh, and, and I guess that's where it comes down to budget, right? Yeah. If you have the budget and you want to spend it on better material, the project is better for it, right? So we used a little bit of cherry, which is something that you could source, you know, locally from uh, even, I think our Home Depot might even carry cherry. I'm not sure. As every Home Depot Lowe's <clears throat> kind of have their own supply. The don't... most you're going to find at a Home Depot is like, Walnut, you might find cherry, but mm -hmm. the basics are always going to be there. Your red oaks, your poplars, things like that. Um, but I do find there are regional differences between them. So Interesting. Anyway, it was a great little build. Nicole and I had a blast. It actually wore us out. It was a long day. We <laughs> yeah. were Even my mom was here after dinner watching the kids so we could just finish it up. I was like, I'm going to sleep good tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was a long day for such a basic project, but we squeezed a lot in in that time from glue up to finishing all in one day. Yep. So, yeah, good times. Probably would have gone faster if I wasn't involved. It would have gone faster, but I don't think it would have been as good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think one of the challenges by having you here, uh, even even when I design these things and how we're going to build them, having you do it and knowing that it's your hands doing the work will dictate certain changes mm -hmm. and certain elements. And I think that's important because if I think of me doing it, I may make different decisions. So, 
All right, let's get to uh, what, oh, you know what? I got a little treat for you guys. So in a few days, the Morley lounge chair will go back up to full price. We're gonna release that project and it goes from 49 bucks up to like 90 or 100 at full price. Um, that's gonna happen on February 1st and I've got a little video. I will be putting this on Instagram later, but you guys get to see it first oh. here. This is the one minute Instagram video of the Philip Morley lounge chair. That is a Pretty. beauty, huh? Did Philip make that for me? For you? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but we might be able to arrange for that. Uh, good question here, but it's something we do address every week. Um, Stan Resolute says, only patron, <laughs> I think it means Patreon, uh, and super chat questions answered. No, not at all. Nicole is this whole time getting questions from Patreon, That's my job. super chat, but also the YouTube chat room. Um, so we actually get a large percentage of our questions directly from the live chat. Okay. But yeah, the, but, the super chat, I feel guilty because people are paying money, so I always bump those to the top. That's the challenge with yeah, that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. we don't necessarily want people to think, oh, you have to spend a few bucks to get a right. question answered. No. That's not what we do here. Um, but it's, it's hard not to give someone a little more attention if exactly. they send you a few dollars. All right, let's get to our questions. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's from Antoine from last week. <clears throat> okay, Antoine he, says. Big table that I need to finish. The top is 13 feet long. It's a slab of babinga about an inch thick that has big cracks on each end. Fill those with epoxy. Then cut the slab at a slight diagonal down the middle to avoid the epoxy. And glued up three cherry boards in between the two halves. That forms a 50 inch wide panel. The table will be outdoor. It's a banquet table. It'll sit in my backyard under a big oak tree. I live in Atlanta, so while snow and freezing isn't a big deal, humidity is. I understand any finish I apply won't last forever, will need maintenance, but I'm worried about the cherry and babinga expanding at the similar rates and my panel busting apart. <coughs> Excuse me. After all day talking yesterday, I'm in rough shape today. Because of both the weather and my, I'm not going to say a cuss word, uh, woodworking abilities. <coughs> which is why I'm leaning towards a deep penetrating epoxy to seal the whole thing from moisture with a spar varnish over it that I could fix and reapply every couple of years. Uh, do you think that that will achieve my goal of keeping the panel in one piece while looking halfway decent, or is there a better finish that you would recommend? Okay. Actually, don't think the finish is your big concern here. I actually am more concerned that you have cherry outside. Mm. Cherry's generally not a outdoor friendly wood. Doesn't have a whole lot in the way of rot resistance. It'll look nice for a while with a good finish on it. It'll help it last even longer. Um, but I would be worried long term about the cherry. Now you're talking about the similar movement. It's not really an issue. If you think about it, you got two babinga boards. Let's say babinga expands at some crazy rate. So it's moving back and forth. The cherry is in the middle and it's moving slowly. 
it doesn't matter. These will all have freedom of movement as long as your base doesn't lock it down and prevent that. So if your your middle is moving slow, but your outsides are moving a lot and fast, it's not going to hurt anything. They're all free to move as they will. It's just a cumulative movement when you add the movement of the cherry to the movement of the babinga that you will have whatever your total movement is going to be. And as long as you don't restrict that movement, you're fine. Um, but I would be concerned about that cherry as an outdoor wood. That said, it sounds like you're already too far into this process and it is what it is. So yes, I do think if you go with a penetrating epoxy, seal that with some kind of marine varnish that you still may have maintenance to do every couple of years, but that's going to put a film on the top that will allow the water to just kind of run off, should protect it from UV, and probably is your best chance of letting that cherry survive outside. Uh, just be prepared to reapply this stuff and maintain it kind of like people maintain boats. Uh, you, you know, they put it into a dry dock and sometimes you have to completely take the finish off if it's been damaged and reapply. Um, but hopefully with regular maintenance, you won't have to do that. So at the <clears throat> very, very end of our last week's show, we got a super chat Jeez. after we, there's a delay. There's a small delay with YouTube. So Levy Olive did a super chat and asked a question. Um, they need help with a 45 degree dovetail and there isn't anything published on it. Do you have any advice? A 45 degree... I would need to know more specifically what a 45 degree dovetail is. Okay. Uh, Levy... No, wait. We did talk about did we? this. Oh, it and was I, in the after show. And but I wasn't he doesn't sure. have access to the after show. Okay. And I wasn't sure if he truly meant a fully 45 gotcha, degree gotcha, dovetail, gotcha. which I advised against doing in the first place. So I, I hope I'm saying your <laughs> name right, Levy. Uh, email me, Nicole at thewoodwhisper.com, and I'll get you the video that he answered that on. Can we give a weekly award to the person who makes this, the same joke each week. We get this every week. It's okay. I think ever since we started the morning show, we've gotten the joke, you should call it the morning wood. And we said, yeah, that's kind of a tired joke. It's okay. It's but okay. thank you for making yes. it because it is funny the first time you hear it. <clears throat> we should have a bell that rings whenever yeah. that comes We'll in. get a ticker. We need like morning show <laughs> sound makers, noise makers. Okay. We're so zany, Nicole. Woo! Ben Bodner. Ben! Dr. Ben Bodner, Esquire. Esquire. Um, I'm considering covering my entire shop floor with rolls of 8mm rubber stuff. Uh, do you see any reason not to do that? Is there an advantage to the tiles, like being able to rearrange them? I don't anticipate a lot of heavy mobile tools. You kind of covered the two disadvantages, or no, two advantages of the tiles there, Ben, is uh, specifically being able to move them around and rearrange them. I've rearranged my rubber tiles here on the floor uh, probably three times since I've moved in here. And it just depends on what I'm doing, where tools are going, uh, a path that I might have to take with a heavy tool so I get them out of the way. It's very convenient to be able to make a path for yourself if you need to, because a lot of times if you try to roll rubber tool <laughs> rubber tools, if you roll a heavy tool over them, that rubber does kind of bunch up and buckle, so it can be problematic. Um, the other reason is, uh, well, I just mentioned them, rolling the tools and versatility to be able to rearrange them. So I, I strongly prefer the, the tiles over the rollout mats, but your shop, your situation might be a little bit different and the rollout stuff might be perfect for you. Uh, for me, I would still go with the tiles. Uh, Sidetrack Bob says, I'm making a Lazy Susan cabinet. Would it be better to have a dado for the top and the bottom that sit in or use regular pocket holes without... I'm get... He says date, but I'm thinking it's dado. To sit in, there's some a lazy Susan. Ca What's a lazy Susan cabinet? It's just, isn't it like <clears throat> ours? 
where our bowls are. So it's a like a it's lazy a cabinet, Susan but it, spinny thing. Yeah. So this is more about the cabinet than the lazy Susan. Yeah, bowl. I think so. A dado for the top and bottom to sit in or use regular pocket holes without the dado. I always prefer dado joinery. If you think about a top and a bottom, especially in a top, and let's say you cut uh, rabbits in the sides or dados, you've captured that panel. There's a mechanical strength that you've added to that. Uh, you're not even really relying on something like a screw or glue to hold it in place. There's built-in mechanical strength. Uh, and then you add glue or then you add reinforcement to it. That's always better uh, than simply just doing pocket <laughs> holes in there. So um, short of, you know, I, I don't really know as much as I need to know about this. My answer would be, if possible, always do some kind of wood joinery in there to support the structure. There you go. <clears throat> Todd Cagle says... Uh, in many of your videos, you touch on the creative process of designing a piece. Would you consider doing a video that details your process from conception to mocking it up then through a finished piece? Your recent Instagram post on all things, uh, all the things you were working on at one time brought this question to my mind. I've done this a couple of times. Mm -hmm. The problem is I, I hate to make a recommendation for something that costs money, but in the guild, we've done this. Um, the one that comes to mind specifically is the dining chair. I took oh, the that, design? Yeah, I took that from design inspiration to paper, to refinement, to a finished product. Didn't you also <clears throat> do something way early, 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 like 2006, the arts and crafts table? Maybe not the arts and crafts table. Because I remember you, you know sitting what? at the desk the, showing the SketchUp. Leo, Leo Laporte's um, gadget the, station. The gadget station was a, a good example. That's a 12 part that. series. So if you're new to our channel, we've been doing this video, uh, he's been doing videos, we. <laughs> He's been doing it since 2006. So we have, I think we're close to 400 videos now. Um, Couldn't have done them without you, though. Aww. Even if you weren't in them. Thanks. You're very important to me. Thank you. <laughs> this is what happens when we, we do a project <laughs> we spend, together. We spend so much time together. Um, but seriously, uh, in, uh, if, you, if you're on YouTube now, you can actually go back to the very first video. Or if you have Amazon Prime, I have uploaded them into seasons, and yeah. the seasons are years. So anytime someone says, hey, I watched se on season six episode, I'm like, hey, they're watching on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So there you go. <clears throat> For sure. We've done a lot of them. And yeah, and someone else mentions that most of the guild projects do cover design to some extent. Yeah. Which can yeah. be really helpful. Okay, got a question from Yoso. He says, when you install solid wood trim, how do you normally flush it to the panel? Anything different if you need to flush it on both sides? A lipping planer would be awesome, but I don't think I could justify it for a hobby shop. Um, thanks for the help two weeks ago. Managed to put... Oh, Yosa had problems with his chisels, remember? Ah, uh, yeah. He says, I managed to put my frustration away and flatten the back of my chisel yesterday by just going in one direction on the lower grits and putting pressure in the same place every time. First time I have a sharp chisel, and it's an amazing tool to work Yay. with. So I'm glad to hear that, Yosa. That's awesome. I love it when I actually give good advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just throw words out. I don't know for sure. No one ever reports back, so I just assume it's working. Thank you for reporting back, Yosa. Yeah. <laughs> So flushing solid trim to like a plywood panel. Uh, typically, if it's a small panel and I don't have many to do, I might just sand or scrape. I'll start with a nice little card scraper. One of these bad boys over here, which I'm gonna cut my finger trying to pull out. A uh, little card scraper action is always nice. And then I sand either by hand or with a random orbit sander if I'm being careful. If I have a lot to do, uh, I will typically use a router. Um, if you have multiples, the great thing is running a router on a three-quarter inch uh, thick piece of material on end like that, a little bit dicey. 
But if you put two together and clamp them together, you can actually have more support and use a flush trim bit or a pattern bit to go across both sides and then flip them over, sandwich them back together, and then go again on both faces. Uh, if you're really careful with a flush trim bit, that's a great way uh, to get it done pretty quickly. There are also jigs that you can make at the table saw. So if you have a jig that allows, you know, it's kind of, you know, punches out at the top a little bit so your panel can ride against it, but you set your fence so that it's just taking the material right off of the panel. You could run them vertically across the table saw and batch a whole bunch of them out uh, in pretty short order. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> got a question here from Christopher Armstrong. Uh, you know of any resources for the woodworking design? Did we already do this? I don't know. I don't for the sound for the woodworking design of fine upholstered furniture, wing chairs, couches. Most YouTube videos I find are stapled together plywood. Um, upholstered, fine upholstered. Uh, Christopher, that's something I know nothing about. Yeah, wonder. If there, I wonder if there's any like upholsters on YouTube. Well, what's interesting about upholstered furniture? If we're like. I remember when we first moved in, the neighbors across the street were like, okay. hey, can you build some furniture for us? I was like, oh, sure. She's like, well, what I really want is a plush leather couch. And I'm like, <laughs> what did you, like, I did, that, that's not something I do. I yeah. don't even know where to begin with that. And when you peel the layers off of a manufactured yeah. uh, fluffy couch, it is an interesting, weird little plywood frame yeah. thing that's under there. It's amazing how little there is to the structure of mm -hmm. these chairs. I think that's where he's going with that. That might be harder to find information on because it's so deeply tied to manufacturing and industry. Yeah. You're not going to find as many YouTubers out there being like, you know, look at Secrets Revealed, how right. we make leather furniture. That would be a good YouTube channel, though. <clears throat> it would be interesting to see. So if, if you're in the chat room and know of a YouTube channel that There's kind of... There's a couple of... recommendations. Oh, there you right go. Now. Cool. There you go. Someone says, uh, Chester, his channel on YouTube is amazing. There you go. Thanks, Ken. I mean, I'm assuming I understand the question. Yeah. I may misunderstand. I think, I think that's the way I'm reading it, too. <laughs> okay. Wing chairs, couches, like fluffy upholstered furniture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex Ezel says, what's the oldest tool that you still use? Not necessarily an antique tool, but something that you bought long ago that you still use regularly. I would say my router. Um, I've got a Porter Cable. I think it's the 7518 Speedmatic router that's in my router table. That's probably the oldest thing that I own. I bought that oh, probably before we moved to Arizona. Uh, it's just a beast of a motor. It's great for router tables. I've had it repaired twice. Uh, the one time the collet got messed up on it and the other time was a, a motor, I think a bearing had blown on it. Um, so that's probably the oldest thing. But you know, I don't actually have a lot of tool loyalty uh, in the sense of like holding on to something for a long time. The nature of my job is to often try new things and experiment with new tools. So you'll find there are people who, and I get this because I did this with David Marks. I tried mm -hmm. to model my tools yeah. after David's shop. I remember when I got you the biscuit joiner, mm -hmm. the DeWalt biscuit joiner. Right. Because David had it. And there were like three or four brands you could have gotten at the time, yeah. but you got the one that David had. Yeah. Um, so I know some people will try to model their shop after mine and then get maybe, I don't know, disappointed, maybe a little bit annoyed that I then change, right? And it's like, just because I change doesn't mean it's bad, doesn't mean you have to change. It just means that I needed to try something else for whatever my reasons were, as ridiculous as they might be. Um, I also, look, a lot of us love tools. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about my job is the fact that I can try new things and, and, and dump a tool and have no you know worries about it in terms of like, 
I feel bad about it. No, I don't. This is just part of what I do. So anyway, that's a long way to say that um, I change my tools out a lot more frequently than the average person ever should think about. <laughs> like, there's no reason to, but I do it because of, of what we do. I got a super chat here from Eric Jenkins. I'm building a cherry picture frame, 48 inches by 36 inches. Wow, that's a big one. That's a big frame. With a eighth inch plywood backer. Okay. I'm going to rabbit the inside of the frame. Sure. How big should the rabbit be? Also, why aren't there Wood Whisper coffee mugs? <laughs> well, because mugs break. Yeah, we used to have them. Mugs break and they take an incredible amount of space to store. And they're inventory. really expensive to ship. Like, that doesn't mean we won't have them again, yeah. but we'll probably, we haven't it'll done be, them in a while. It'll be a limited run. Yeah, it'll be like a special thing. Okay, so he's got a big old picture frame, eighth inch plywood backer, rabbit inside the frame. How big should the rabbit be? Well, I assume you're talking about the width of the rabbit because the depth is usually dictated by the thickness of your backer. Uh, so as long as you have your backer accounted for, it sits down in there and mm -hmm. it's nice and flush. And then maybe you have clips or something that fold out to uh, keep that backer in place. You're asking me about the width? Of the rabbit, I don't think it really matters that much as long as you go, you know, it's a pretty big frame, so you could afford to go bigger. Normally, smaller frames, I make that rabbit maybe a quarter inch wide. In your case, you can go a half or three quarters wide. And then you even have a situation with such a large frame that you might even be able to get nice, um, you know, pan head style screws or decorative screws so your back panel can actually have enough room. There's enough meat there that you could just use a couple of screws periodically to hold it in place and not have to worry about any additional hardware to, to kind of fold over and hold your backer in place. Um, but at that size range, you can do whatever you like. Um, anything will work as long as it's over a quarter inch. <clears throat> Black Goat Woodworking. He says, you kind of answered my question last week about the zero clearance on your Capex. I was actually wondering about the zero clearance on the fence, but I took note of the cauliflower insert anyway. Sorry, my bad for not being clear. So you're just talking about the, um, the back of the fence. I just have half inch Baltic birch plywood. I cut a little bit of an angle in it, so it kind of allows the saw to tilt, gives me more room. The big thing on the Capex that makes a sacrificial or um, auxiliary fence a little bit difficult is the fact that you've got that big rubber shroud. That's where the dust collection happens and that gets in the way. Uh, it is flexible, you know, so you can kind of push through it, but you do have to be careful if you are a little bit low and you pull forward, it's just on there like clipped on. So you have to be careful not to knock it off. Uh, and that's why those little V notches are cut into my fence there, but it's just half inch Baltic birch attached with screws from the back of the fence. I have a super chat here from Adam Nesfold. <clears throat> I have a 2.5 stall garage shop, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to add a good dust collection for the first time. Do you have any thoughts on Oneida Supercell? I like Pyromatic Air Purifier too, is both overkill. Not according to this guy. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Nothing's <there's>, overkill. <laughs> if there's a place where you wanna have some overkill, I think dust collection is a good place for you to do that. Yeah. Um, shop power, shop lights, and dust collection. Those are places where I'm totally okay with overkill. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about the Supercell. I've heard some rumblings about it in, in our guild group. Um, some people are talking about it. But I don't know anything rumblings about it. Rumblings good? Rumblings? Yeah, like just comparing. Okay. Hey, has anyone tried this? Or I'm considering yeah. the Supercell, uh, but I can't really give you much in the way of comparative information between them because I'm, I'm not like read up on you it. You have the uh, Gorilla, right? <clears throat> yeah, the I've got a gorilla. five horsepower Dust Gorilla. I think the Supercell is a smaller unit. Gotcha but I don't know much about it. Sorry. Okay, Alex Copley. <clears throat> I'm building a set of Copley. Adirondack. Copley. Copley. Yeah, that's right. He said, I remember, police officer, yep. cop. 
I'm building a set of Adirondack chairs for my mother's birthday in a few weeks. They'll be mostly decorative uh, for their indoor pool area, but I'm sure a wet grandchild will end up on them at some point. (laughs) Since they won't really be exposed to the outside elements, do you think that I can get away with an oil finish, or should I put something more protective, like Total Boat Halcyon, on them? You know, I think an oil is fine. It doesn't sound like something that's going to get wet very often. You know, wood has the ability to get wet and then release that moisture. It's not something that you have to get too too concerned about if it's a uh, occasional thing. So I would say an oil finish is perfectly fine. Just be prepared that if you do something like a straight up oil, like a tongue oil or boiled linseed oil, um, it will still absorb some of that water when a, a little wet buck goes on there and will likely raise the grain. So you do have to be prepared for that too. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you want it to be a little bit more bulletproof, then go ahead and put a film finish on it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with using a simple oil finish. Adam in the chat said the supercell is great for dust, but not so good for chips. He said something else, but I'm gonna you know what? I'm I gonna PG it. <laughs> I didn't want to speak too much about it because yeah. again, I just quickly was scanning through guild questions. But I think that's the thing: is the supercell now that he mentions that is more for like. It's more for like your portable tools, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the thing you want to connect to your planer. And that's right. what he's kind of saying. It's not really a good option for thick, heavy chips. Right. It's more for dust, dust, right? So you kind of think, maybe think of it more as a dust extractor uh, than so much a big, you know, dust collector. Gotcha. But again, that's, I didn't want to say too much because I don't remember the details. I got a super chat here from Roach Trails. <laughs> Hi, new to woodworking. My wonderful wife just got me a nice hybrid table saw is... A miter saw, a must-have, or can I get by with a cross-cut sled I saw in one of your old videos? Cross-cut sled. Yep. Start there. Yeah. Find the limitations of the tools you have before you add more tools. It's always a, a good rule to stick with. So you have the table saw already. Build yourself a nice functional sled. If you can build one that has all the little doodads and little features on it with mm-hmm. a movable, movable fence, um, you, you're going to get quite a lot done there. When I had switched away from the Capex, I went to a DeWalt because, again, experimenting with tools, Mm -hmm. seeing what I could survive with so I could give good advice. I started to use the chop saw a lot less for crosscuts and instead relying on the table saw. And for most flat woodworking or, you know, cabinet building and furniture making, you can get away with that. It was perfectly fine. Um, Then once I got the Capex back in here because I wanted the dust collection, the Capex is very accurate as a miter saw. And I was able to start using that again for more cross cuts, and I used my sleds a little bit less. Um, but it wasn't necessarily that I found limitations at the table saw. It was just because I had another option, so I used it. So the, the <coughs> miter saw that we used yesterday, I, yeah. I actually thought for a minute you might have switched out the blade, but I looked at it. It was the blade That's that came. That's a stock blade. It was actually... I mean, I thought it cut pretty nicely. The cut was pretty darn clean. Yeah, yeah. We it put was a little clean... fence on the back. We didn't put a zero clearance on the the base, just the auxiliary fence. It's a Metabo hundred dollar chop saw. Mm-hmm. It used to be. Somebody said it that it used to be Hitachi. I don't know. But Maybe they changed there's, it to I know Metabo. The same color. Yeah. Uh, but single bevel stock blade. It's not even like a good quality blade in there, or I should say, it's not like a aftermarket right. good quality blade. And uh, we went through the whole project, and the cuts were clean enough. Yeah. They did a fine job. I so. was impressed with it. <clears throat> Do you have a question? Do you I want have, me to read? <clears throat> I, I can plenty. read. I can read. Uh, Mike Davies says, does finish take longer to cure if it ages in the can? The last time I used this Danish oil, I could scuff sand and recoat in 8 to 10 hours. Uh, this time it's still tacky, and I'm waiting more like 30 uh, could be that the last time it was warmer, less humid, but tripling seems like a big swing for those variables. Thoughts? Well, first thought is, 
you know, Danish oil has oil in it. It's not just the varnish. And the fact that you were able to scuff sand in eight to 10 hours is really good, I think, for a Danish oil. So yes, as oil-based varnish, you know, based finishes, as they age, <clears throat> you can start to have curing problems with them. So yeah, that certainly could be at play. But I think this sounds like it, it might be more likely a conditions situation. Um, your heat, your humidity, how thick you apply the finish onto the surface, what species of wood you're using. These are all things that can affect how quickly you can scuff sand. <clears throat> Excuse me. Eight to ten hours for a Danish oil sounds pretty darn good, right? So I think what you're experiencing now with more like 30, eh, maybe it's a little bit much, but I still think you're within the window of things that people can expect from a Danish oil. So um, you might even just try spend a few bucks on a new can, see if it performs any different, and that'll give you a very definitive answer. Um, hi, Kojak Silverback. Welcome back. <laughs> he, said, he said, hey, I'm back. I missed you guys. Uh, centrum I'm going to butcher this. How do you say that? Centrumos? Um, centimetros. Centimetros. Uh, they're wondering, how can I be part of the beginning woodworking course? Uh, is it going to be pub open to the public? <laughs> it is. It's we went be in circles on we this. Did. Like, do we make it a guild project, something that they have to buy? Do we just put it on the free site and charge for it? And every path I took, look, the thing that I put most of my, the basket I put most of my eggs in is the guild. I want people to eventually feel confident enough to find their way into the guild. That's the level of content that I think is worth paying for. When we're talking about basic woodworking courses, not to throw shade at people who do charge for it, they're perfectly entitled to do that, but I don't necessarily feel comfortable with what we do offering that mm -hmm. as a paid course. So we just made the decision that, look, this is free. This is information that's at such a basic level. It, sh it should be free. We're not going to charge for it. Um, so we're just going to put the videos out. And again, it may not even be a course. What's going to happen is we're going to start by making a few projects. That's going to help us decide what tools go in that toolkit. Mm -hmm. And then kind of after the fact, say, well, here's the toolkit. It's less than 500 bucks or whatever the, the number is we come up with. And here are three projects you could build. We might organize it in a playlist and then put it on our website and kind of stage it as a course, but we're not going to charge for it. Mm -hmm. We, at this point, believe that if you want to pay <clears throat> to get even deeper into these things, you certainly can, and that's at the Guild. We're not going to muddy the waters by then also doing something for uh, more beginner-friendly content. Because we eventually want <clears throat> to lead you to the Guild. Yeah. So this is, these are courses to really get you started. See if yep. you like the hobby. I mean... You might not even like woodworking. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here's another thing we're trying to do with this. A lot of beginner woodworking courses will go, okay, so today we're going to use, you know, this cheap material. We're going to use these inexpensive tools and we're going to put this thing together with pocket screws. Nothing wrong with pocket screws, but I don't think pocket screws set you up for success in later types of woodworking, right? So there are things you can do at the beginning. I want you to make a mortise and tenon as fast as possible. I'm gonna assume you want to make good quality furniture and you want to excel as a woodworker. You wanna get better as a woodworker. And I really think in order to do that, you need to start with joinery that kind of puts your mindset into the mortise and tenon world. So what we started with was dowels, right? Yeah. If you think about it, oh, a, dowel, hard. a dowel is a loose mortise and tenon joint. And everything you have to do to make a dowel joint conceptually is very similar to a loose mortise and tenon joint. So no, we are not st uh, starting with pocket screws. We're starting with a type of joinery that James Krenov used in his furniture. Like it, that, that I think is where the beginner woodworker should start. 
That said, if you just want to, you know, a lot of people don't want to become a mm -hmm. furniture maker. They just want to make a couple pieces of furniture, right? So they could still do that with our stuff, but the the intention is to help people progress and become better woodworkers over time. I'm going to share my uh, my adventures with dowels. Uh, I posted it on my Instagram page, so I just put it in there. Uh, I accidentally oh, you put that in the chat. Drilled through. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know that nice outfit <laughs> assembly table that we haven't even released the video I on go, yet? Because we put the, the blue tape to stop it, but it, the blue tape squished up. Yeah. And then I went down, I'm like, why is it different colors? Why is it black? Why am I getting black? Well, oh, that's because you went through oh, the melanin. Oh no. It's I, right. felt, I felt horrible. It's better that you did it than John. This is true. Right? I think if John did it, he would have felt really bad and it would have been awkward. And yeah. I would yeah. have had to reassure him that it's not a problem. Yeah. Where, where, where are you going? I was looking for the super chat. Hey, get your spoon out of my cereal bowl, woman. Oh, right there, there it is. I got more super chats, but uh, OJ made me laugh. Well, OJ, that's how we're going to eat. <laughs> we're going to eat $5 at a time. <laughs> Uh, do you think that makes sense, though? My logic I do. With the I, I, stuff? I'm glad that we're doing it that way. And, and look, we're a stable company, you know, especially mm -hmm. with, you know, the, with the pandemic. Um, some companies were really tested. Ours wasn't. You know, we're in a, a place where, thankfully, people were actually looking for more instruction to learn yeah. hobbies that they never had time to do before. Um, we're doing fairly well. And there is a point where it just feels like, look, we're okay. We don't need to charge for every single little thing. Yeah. We can be strategic about what we charge for. Um, that's the joy of, of this kind of business and being flexible. So it just doesn't feel right online, to charge for that. Online virtual learning. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Houston did a super chat and said, I, wanted to, I want to build an edge grain butcher block countertop. Mm -hmm. I want to try Sapili, but I worry... It's her timer. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I worry about the water near the sink. Is Sapili suitable? What finish would you recommend? Yeah, Sapili can be, but yeah. near a sink, you're asking for a lot of water mm -hmm. resistance. There's always spill and splashes. Because you usually see like an island, maybe, yeah. out of a butcher block cutting board. Not necessarily by the sink. But I think if you're going for you know a wood species, Sapili is going to offer... Um, some of those properties that are good for that, but you definitely want to think long and hard about whether you want that around a sink. Mm -hmm. I'm going to plow through the rest of these questions okay. that I have here from Patreon because we're pretty much done with the show. Okay. Okay. We're going to do an after show, so we'll probably pick up a lot of anything that we've missed. Garrett says, I'm an artist. I'm going to be buying some bigger machines, mostly for building art frames and some furniture. I could spend as much as 10K or so, but would really rather not unless absolutely worth it. Saw stop will be my first upgrade, but my question is, for a jointer and a planer, do I really need to spend the money on a better machine, or could I get away with a small DeWalt planer and a cheaper jointer? I know the obvious limitations are the size of the boards. I'm mostly asking if there's a massive quality issue with the results that would prevent me from making batches of good frames. I don't think so. I mean, with frames, you're not really building massive pieces. That's where jointers really show... Uh, their limitations is when you're trying to run an eight-foot board across it and you're not getting good results. I do think there is a lower level of jointer. Let's put it this way. If you can put it on a bench top to use it, I would avoid it. Um, if you're really looking to, to kind of progress and have the excuse me options to build uh, a decent selection of furniture, a bench top jointer might be good for some things. It's a good place to start, but I don't think it's where you want to end up. And if you're talking about a $10,000 budget... 
uh, and you're serious about this, skip the benchtop jointer and get something that is a floor standing jointer. That's at least going to get you in the ballpark of things that will perform just fine. Now, you could really go nuts with this, depending on the width of the boards you want to do, the length. There are quality differences in builds. A very inexpensive jointer with straight knives uh, can be very frustrating because uh, setting the knives can be a real pain in the butt, uh, keeping them nice and sharp. A jointer bed that doesn't stay where it's supposed to be, uh, difficulty in calibrating. Excuse me, there's all kinds of reasons why you want to put a little bit more money into a jointer, but I do think you get the only danger zone is when you get into the really cheap stuff. All right, so hopefully that helps answer. I have your some question. super super chats. Kevin Windsor did a super chat. Uh, when I'm reading Mark's book, why is the words in Mark's voice instead of mine? I've heard that so many times. I don't yeah. completely understand it. I mean, I get it, I get yeah. what you're saying. Because I hear you talk. But I think it's some people maybe they write differently than they speak. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think I write exactly how I talk. So I've gotten that feed, that piece of feedback so many times that I hear it in Mark's voice, which is pretty funny. Uh, Gerald R. Or did, I just talk too much. Did a nice super chat and said, just saying thanks for a real woodworking show. Thanks. Well, thanks, well, Gerald. Hey, that's what we try to do. You know, some people don't feel this is a real woodworking show because no. we just talk the whole time. We talk about woodworking. <laughs> we do. Okay. Uh, Ray Gilmore. Ray. If you had to start over with a completely new shop... Would you choose a drum sander over a jointer initially if you already had a planer? I'm thinking about a drum sander would actually be much more useful uh, being able to get S3S lumber almost everywhere now. Both can be gotten for about the same cost, the jointer being just a little bit more expensive than 1836. So where is the money best spent? Um, I'm going to speak from my experience, my personal preferences here. Don't do that. A drum sander is the thing you add when you have everything else. Uh, It is not the tool that you add before a jointer. Uh, If you want to have control of your edges being nice and straight and prepped for a cut at the table saw to get a perfect parallel cut to that first edge, you got to have that jointer, man. So don't be tempted. I'm going to really urge you strongly against the drum sander at this point and get that jointer first. Um, It's nice that you can get S3S, but even S3S sometimes needs that edge to be addressed. You could do it with a hand plane. But if you're going this power tool route, that jointer is essential. So get the drum sander off of your menu. Think about getting a jointer. Last question I have here. This one's from our buddy Rick, Rick Urschel. Thanks for the picks, Rick. Yeah, I loved seeing. It was so cool. It was. Last time we saw Rick and his daughter was uh, Rick and a baby. And a clock. So that was awesome. (laughs) Uh, What's your opinion on customization of the Morley lounge chair? My wife really likes the look of the chair, so that it would look odd with her current couch. Can the frame of the chair be stretched into a three-cushion couch? Um, What challenges would that create? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Rick, this is probably a better question for Philip because he designed it. But when we look at the back of the chair, it's a pretty sturdy frame. So you see just the basic frame on the outside with an additional bar that goes through the center for even more support and then those vertical panels. I think that looking at that frame, you could definitely extend this. You could maybe simply duplicate that across to make it wider, but I don't see any problems taking that structure and just kind of rejigging it a little bit so that you end up with something that accommodates three seats. But for sure, I think you can expand that to a wider uh, a You just wider have to couch. account for sag, right? You do. You have that's in the base, and you might have to put maybe an extra set of feet on it instead mm-hmm. of just relying on the two outside feet. A little bit of support in the middle would probably go a long way. But yeah, totally. I think it's something you could do. I have two more super chats. One from Nevada Cool. I like that name. Yeah. I scratched the top of my fiance's varnished dining room table. 
Oh, you? How do I blend a new coat into the existing finish? I think I know the answer. Go ahead. What's your answer? You don't. Film finishes, especially like a varnish, polyurethane. Yeah. I use the analogy of saran wrap, right? It's like plastic wrap layers. If you damage the top layer, you don't, you know, these things are not blended into one single layer. So you damage that top layer, there's a layer underneath it. So trying to just kind of repair that top layer and make it invisible is really difficult, especially because you can't just get finish into the, the scratch. You get finish kind of everywhere, uh, right? On places you don't want. Yeah. So one option would be to lightly sand the top and then refinish the whole thing. You want to add a whole new coat that will hopefully hide the scratch, but then also not create these witness lines or areas where the finish starts and stops. Okay, so that would be my recommendation, um, short of a full refinish, uh, try to actually just light sand the whole thing and get a nice new coat on top of it and hopefully it will disappear. And hopefully the scratch doesn't go down into the wood. Oh. If it goes down into the wood, if it's yeah. a deep scratch, it might be a refinish that you're looking at. The whole table? Well, yeah, you got to, whole... but if it goes into the wood, he has to then sand wood to yeah. get rid of the scratch. So, I mean, even if... There's, you know, the thing is, you may not ever get a perfect repair. Even the suggestion I made, the most what you might get Put out of it. Put a coaster. That, Put a coaster on top of it. Yeah, it won't, or a nice doily. It, <laughs> it won't be a, um, you know, a light colored scratch. What'll happen is the finish will fill that in and kind of darken it a little mm -hmm. bit. So it still may be visible, but it may be less visible. Gotcha. And that's kind of the key if you don't want to do a full refinish. Sean Cobb did a super chat. I'm converting an existing old table into a game table that's sentimental. Mm. While the leaf was in the garage, it twisted. Oh, boy. How do I fix the leaf? Oh, Ooh, gosh. Twisting wood is not easy. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when wood goes where it wants to go, it, it's hard to convince it not to. Um, it's a lot like my hair, right? <laughs> my hair wants to curl. Yeah. I mean, I keep it short, but if I grew it long, it wants to curl. And I can straighten it, yeah. but it's only going to stay straight for a time before it decides to curl again. Uh, Nicole's hair wants to be straight. It's like yeah, the opposite. It's actually curly underneath, but I let my hair grow long. Well, it's heavy. So it's it's it, a giant blanket of blonde straws, <laughs> very thick straws. Yes. Uh, so it is difficult once a board twists like that. Sometimes it comes down to just making a new one. But this sounds like a classic, you know, sentimental oh, piece. Oh, that stinks. There's lots of options for correcting twist. You can try adding moisture to make it go the other way and clamping it flat. You can try... Like putting it in a sauna. Yeah. Some <laughs> people will kerf it. Kerf it is, kerfing things is a really... It's a terrible way to do it because it's, it's really damaging. But what you're doing is cutting lines through the board on the underside and essentially relieving all of its structural integrity so that you can now bend it to the shape you want it to be in. I hate to see you do it, but sometimes that, that's what people do. Uh, you can, you know, insert some kind of a metal channel. People will do that as well. A steel C channel or something that will help get this thing to be nice and flat. Um, those are all things you could try. But again, this is a sentimental piece. I'm, I'm afraid to see you damage it. But mm -hmm. uh, I mean, can you, can you rebuild the, the middle piece. I mean, the table, I think the table is what's most important. The middle piece. Yeah, you might just be, that a rebuild might be called for in this because yeah. it's not the primary table, it's right. just a leaf. It's the leaf of yeah. the table. So that might be <coughs> an option. Uh, so we have an after show. Do you have any more questions? Nope. I mean, I, I have more I questions, done. but your voices we got to keep the show short today yeah i gotta we gotta and not short it's been a full show, a full show. so 
All right, so thank you, so everybody. Thank you. We want to remind you that the Morley Lounge Chair will be going on um, full price on, what is it, Monday, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're interested in that, it's like 49 bucks now. I have the notes over there, but I erased them. Like 16 videos. 16 videos. There's like a lot of depth in this series. 300-something minutes, like six-plus hours of content. Yeah, and Philip's a great woodworker, so he's somebody you want to learn from. Okay, so we will see those of you who are, um, you know, contributors in the after show where we talk a lot of BS and uh, maybe we'll talk some video we'll games. We'll talk about my food poisoning. I got that question from Apo Opina. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, um, so I put a link to the Patreon post. If you're a Patreon supporter, you can just click that link and it'll take you to the video. If you're a YouTube member supporter, you can go underneath the community tab and I put a link to the video there. And of course, we got a late last minute super chat from Robert Price. Said, running late, what did I miss? 50 words or less. Yep, there you go. Everything. You missed it all, Robert. But fortunately, <laughs> thank you for the super you chat. Can rewind and watch it. All right, so thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next Friday. Bye. Toodles.